Hi, and welcome to Serenity Now, a place for entrepreneurs to ask questions, learn, get connected, and be inspired. Join us as we talk about all things business and the search for the ever elusive Serenity Now in both business and personal life. In today's episode, Tess Menges from the Office of Small and Medium Sized Enterprises works on a fun exercise with the Serenity Sisters and gives us an idea of how a procurement officer would review bids submitted by businesses for government contracts. I'm very excited for today's session because we're going to do our master class in bidding. And so this session actually is designed to be relatively short exercise that mirrors our federal procurement evaluation process. So rather than showing you how to prepare a bid, we've actually prepared mock uh, fictitious tenders and we're going to have you guys all do an evaluation and see which company you would proceed with and why you would award them the contract in hopes of showcasing what it really takes to prepare a good quality bid. Here is some context about the bid. You all being um, employees of the Department of Enforcement and you have a requirement to procure 25 canine dogs. So you have put this out on the buy and sell website. You have posted it there for a number of days. The opportunity has now closed and you received three bids from companies for the dogs. I won't give it away in the summary, but there are some great learnings from this exercise that overturned some of our assumptions about the process. Rita identified this one. I think you also made a good point before test though is Make it easy for the evaluator. Don't don't add your little literature notes like Candace said, but just simply answer the question. And Nina summarizes. So just address the requirements. There's no need to add in a bunch of extra information because you're not going to get any extra points for that. No, you're going to get the same thing no matter what. So focus on focus on the mandatory criteria, meeting them all. And then the next thing is trying to score the highest amount of points. Some may think, I'll just go in for the lowest bid. And if I get the bid, then I'll raise the price. Test confirms it doesn't quite work that way. If they don't provide it, then they're in breach of contract and we can terminate the contract and ask them to pay uh, for damages where we have to issue a new contract cost associated with that. Why are asking questions in the procurement process important? So there could be some changes throughout the procurement process and it can lead to different outcomes based on the questions that you ask as a company during the process. So it's a good example to show where a very good company didn't get through because they didn't ask a question. But if they had gone to the contracting authority while it was open and asked if we can change something, the outcome can be totally different. And what happens when the questions lead to further clarifications and amendments are made while the bid is still open? Five days before the closing date, you see that there is an amendment and it changes something in your bid. You can resubmit a revised bid to us. This was a fun episode for us to record. Take a listen. 
Welcome to Serenity Now for Entrepreneurs. We're back um, with another episode with, ter- uh, with Tess Menges of OSME. And so for those who are not familiar with OSME, it's an organization um, that helps small businesses in Canada understand more about procurement. So Tess, welcome back. We're excited to have you. Thanks. I'm, I'm very excited for today's session because we're going to do our master class in bidding. And so this session actually is designed to be relatively short exercise that mirrors our federal procurement evaluation process. So rather than showing you how to prepare a bid, we've actually prepared mock uh, fictitious tenders and we're going to have you guys all do an evaluation and see which company you would proceed with and why you would award them the contract in hopes of showcasing what it really takes to prepare a good quality bid that that gets uh, submitted and goes through our procurement process. Um, so just just so everyone's aware, these are simplified versions just for the purpose of, of the exercise and the intent is to bring out and highlight what is important in a procurement process. Perfect. So Tess, it uh, obviously this is an audio uh, episode. And so what I'll have you do is explain a little bit just so the audience understands the context. Um, and then we're going to obviously we were broken up into groups. So again, we also had homework to prepare for this. Um, and so we'll go through in groups kind of what we had uh, noticed in our bid and, and do that evaluation process with you, Tess, and you'll, you'll guide us through that. Um, so I'm going to have you just kind of hit it off, teacher, and tell us a little bit more about um, this information. And for those listeners who are interested in this, we will provide you with the links to these documents so that as you go through this particular episode, you might want to pull those links up um, and follow along. So go ahead, Tess. So overall, um, we have you all being um, employees of the Department of Enforcement, and you have a requirement to procure 25 canine dogs. So you have put this out on the buy and sell website You have posted it there for a number of days. The opportunity has now closed and you received three bids from companies for the dogs. Some background information um, is that the requirements of the solicitation are that the dogs must be German Shepherd breed, 10 to 24 months in age, weight between 15 and 40 kilograms, and able to respond to the commands, sit, lay down, come and stay. And also that the companies need to have experience in training canine dogs and also in the sale of canine dogs to law enforcement. So those are kind of the the mandatory criteria that we would be looking for in all the bids. Um, I will let you know all the bids were accepted, um, were, were submitted, I should say, on time. Um, so that's that's a good start, and we will proceed with the evaluation of bid A, which is for A+. Plus. Uh, let me just confirm the name of the company, is A plus dog training. So they submitted a proposal, and um, Rita, if you want to take it away and let me know some of your thoughts on the evaluation criteria. Thank you, Tess. Uh, so when we took a look at the 
mandatory technical criteria, the uh, submission for do, are we including uh, German Shepherd breed? This bid did not include German Shepherd. They're proposing a Belgian, I don't even know if I'm saying this right, Malinois dog, uh, which apparently are increasingly preferred over German Shepherd. So they're writing a whole case on why they would select the Belgian Malinois dogs versus German Shepherds. Um, so in that sense, the they didn't meet that criteria. Uh, as far as the age, 10 to 24 months, yes, every, um, every dog that they're proposing to sell is uh, in that time frame. The weight is uh, accepted as well as responding to the commands. As far as the company and its experience, they've got basically a number of years of experience. They're able to easily meet the experience criteria. And they have indeed sold dogs to law enforcement agencies in the past. And so they qualify beautifully there uh, on their overall point score, which was out of 20. They got 20 out of 20 on there. And so, Rita, I just want to ask you why you would not accept uh, the dog that they they proposed, the Belgian Malinois? Uh, it wasn't it, it wasn't uh, following the mandatory technical criteria because it said that you can only submit with German shepherds. Right. So even though this company, you know, wrote the reason and they have a long justification about why their breed of dog that they're proposing may be better, they did not meet that mandatory criteria. So we would we will move on to the next the next proposal, which is company B. Um, and let me just pull up the name of that company. I think it's Good Boy that we are going to move on to next. And Good Boy was Nina and Kathleen. I don't know about the name. The name bothered me, Good Boy, and the way it was spelled. But that's just a side note. <laughs> as far as the <laughs> ma mandatory requirements, um, they they did meet those. It's a German Shepherd breed. They met the age requirements, the weight requirements, the command requirements. They only just met the technical criteria, but they did make it, which was the number of months of experience and the number of dogs sold. So they did uh, score 8 out of 20 which is low, but their pricing is pretty reasonable. And so, if you sorry, look Nina, at I'm going to stop you there. Yeah. We, in our procurement process, we would only look at the, the mandatory and the technical. We won't get into pricing yet right. because no we, don't okay. see, we don't want to see that. So let's, yeah. let's keep it uh, to, I see. to the technical mandatory criteria. Oh, just to see if the bids are actually um, meeting the minimum requirements. So yes, it did meet the minimum requirements. Then Kathleen, did you have anything? No. <laughs> 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 and for this company, so just so everyone has an awareness, um, this company described, um, they used the chart that was provided in the solicitation document and they checked off that they met the requirement, but uh, Nina or Kathleen, did you see any 
um, additional information where no, the company didn't. actually demonstrated that they, they met it. They didn't give a description, and I didn't see any. Um, the only thing they had was um, invoices were included. So I guess that showed that they have sold dogs before, but it didn't show their description of like, um, you know, their training process, what the dogs were fed, like some of the other ones. Like there wasn't a lot of additional information. It was the most basic information. And would you be comfortable moving them forward based on their proposal as is? Yes. And what would have you liked to see that would have changed I guess given them a better a better score or more comfort in your mind in in moving them forward. Well, I guess like the one part that I'm not I'm unsure of and we did actually talk about this as a group is that what's the proof? Like how do we know the proof they're saying that they have these German shepherd breeds, they're saying that they're the right age and the weight and the commands and they have the training and they've sold them. But other than the invoices, we don't really have any proof of anything. So, I mean, that would be good to have something. And that's, that is quite common for this type of procurement where it's, it's for a standard, relatively standard good that we're buying. Um, We would, you know, there would probably be some debate amongst the evaluation team where we would kind of question, how do we know that they're providing the German Shepherd? Where's where's the proof? Where's the additional information? However, as as you guys said, they did demonstrate that they met it by checking off the box. So I would I would agree with you that we would move them move them on in the process. But this is not going to be an example of a perfect proposal. It's an acceptable proposal, but it wouldn't be the ideal one. They, it seems like a minimum effort. And I'm it not, didn't make your job easy. Sure. No, and I'm not sure if that's based on like maybe their experience, their lack of experience, because they don't have a lot of experience, but um, that's what comes across anyways. Yeah. And so now we'll move on to proposal number th- or C, which is... Deutschester Schafferhound School? Yes. <laughs> That's right. That's my school. <laughs> we tried to have some fun with, with creating these proposals. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Um, so Candace and I worked on this one. And um, according to what was checked off, there was a little bit more of a description and reference in terms of the types of dogs that they have and that it meets the criteria. Um, But when Candice and I were looking at the video that there's a video link, a YouTube video link in here, um, it actually didn't take me and it or anybody else who looked at this video to, um, you know, uh, something that showed the dogs would be able to respond to the commands of sit, lay down, come and stay. I don't know if that was like on purpose to throw us off, but it took us to like a music rock video instead, um, which I don't think uh, meets the criteria, even though um, it was marked off as compliant. Candice, do you want to add anything else to that? Um, no, I think I think that was kind of uh, what I picked up as well. Like uh, we, we, we really weren't sure what the bur- burden of proof was, was to be in. 
whether that was an error in the materials provided to us or if it was supposed to be an error that the this person submitting had made. So I don't, do you see things like that happen? <laughs> yeah, so so it is an intentional thing in in this document because actually we are not able to click on any links or use any ah. outside reference material to verify. We are only able to verify what is actually written in a proposal in a solicitation document that is provided by the company. So think of it as if we printed this out, we can't click on the YouTube link to get that information. So even though the company provided it, even if it did take us to a website provided by this school where they show that the dogs are able to meet those commands, we would not be able to use that as part of our evaluation. But this company, I still believe, I there would be there would be debate but i think this company would still make it through because under compliant they have the check mark and we we allowed company b proposal b to go through with just the check mark saying that they respond to the commands this company did go an, another step further where in the description they actually wrote all dogs will know basic puppy commands so they did kind of even answer the question of able to respond to commands of sit, lay down, come, stay. Now, there could be some debate about what a basic puppy command is. So is the school saying that the dogs will know basic puppy commands, meaning that they will know fetch and shake a paw and various things like that, which are not what we are asking for. So there's a little bit of ambiguity, but this one would proceed on because they have put that they're compliant. They do mention all dogs will know basic puppy commands and we just ignore the link to the YouTube uh, video that they've put. When I read that they will um, be able to handle all basic puppy commands, I actually didn't like that as an evaluator. I just wanted them to respond to the question, you know, because basic puppy commands, I have a dog. If my dog actually looks at me, if I'm talking to him for an hour, I'm happy. You know, that's a basic response. So I don't know what this means. And it would have, for me, I wasn't sure if it did meet the criteria, but it sure is an aha moment for me when you said, because um, I clicked on the in this this rock video from the '80s that you made us watch. Thanks, Tess. Um, was it Rick <laughs> Ashley? <laughs> and and I was I was thinking, oh, this is a great way to add some additional proof for support. Uh, but but you said we can't, and this all has to be within the paper format for the submission. So that's a huge takeaway. Yeah, so it would all need to be included. And like you're saying, the basic, the way that they responded by saying all dogs will know basic puppy commands is ambiguous and is going to cause, you know, question and, and debate amongst the evaluation team. And the bottom line is why leave it open to debate, right? You don't want people debating the validity of your proposal. You want to be clear that there is no debate. So as opposed to putting all dogs will know basic puppy commands, 
Put all dogs will be able to respond to the commands, sit, lay down, come and stay. Copy and paste is not a bad thing in this case. You have okay. to actually, like, you look at the requirements and you state it exactly, full sentence, exactly what they're looking for, so there's no questions left. That makes sense. We're not writing literature, so it doesn't need to vary in it. In its, uh... <laughs> <laughs> I think you also made a good point before test, though, is make it easy for the evaluator. Don't, don't add your little literature notes like Candace said, but just simply answer the question. Yeah, and proposal C is actually quite nicely laid out. Like they have used the table that was provided with the mandatory criteria. They go mandatory criteria one, compliant. They put a check mark or an X there. And then in the description, they write a little description about how they're compliant. They do that for every proposal. It's just in in number four, you know, they they didn't quite fill in the description as we would have liked to see. But this is a very nicely laid out, easy to comprehend proposal that would that would get passed through into the kind of point rated criteria, which is what we would come up with next for them. To be honest, after reviewing all three. I love the A-plus company proposal because I thought they did the best job. They made it easy. They laid it all out. They answered the questions in order, explained how they met every criteria, had brilliant references, and, of course, the most experience. Uh, so with the exception of the fact that they substituted the German Shepherd breed with a different breed, after reviewing all of them, I just said, wow, this was amazing and easy to read. I would I would fully agree with that and we actually have a little a little twist that we sometimes throw into to the master class where we actually um, provide an amendment that was issued as part of this procurement process um, because company A rather than tell us about a different breed of dogs in their proposal they actually went to the contracting authority while the solicitation period was open and they asked if the contracting authority would accept the Belgian Malinois dogs um, as well as German Shepherds. And so if if we went with a case where they proposed that, they asked that question and there was the amendment that was made, the amendment actually says, yes, we will accept Belgian Malinois and German Shepherds. Um, another question that was asked was about dogs um, that weigh 12 kilograms and they also said that they would accept dogs that weigh between 12 and 40 kilograms. So there could be some changes throughout the procurement process and it can lead to different outcomes based on the questions that you ask as a company during the process. So it's a good example to show where a very good company didn't get through because they didn't ask a question, but if they had gone to the contracting authority while it was open and asked if we can change something, the outcome can be totally different in the procurement process. Assuming that um, A+, plus, the first bidder, did not ask if uh, Belgian Malinois uh, dogs would be accepted, 
but they had checked off yes to the criteria of compliance where it still states German Shepherd, you would score assuming that that information is accurate. But then if they didn't go into the full description of kind of everything that they said on, you know, the second and third page, what would happen to this company if they got the bid? And then you realize that or they realize that they didn't ask the right question or they just made the assumption that it went through. Um, would the score even really matter? Because technically, yes, they got through, but they got through on a technicality that they marked off that they were compliant. So just a question on like how deep and when do evaluators kind of go and pick through that? So if if they just checked it off kind of similar to what the proposal B did, where they just checked off compliant, they didn't have any mention of, of a different breed of dog, we would go with the assumption that they are providing a German Shepherd. And we would evaluate them as if they're providing a German Shepherd. If the outcome was that they are the company that was successful, we would, you know, award them the contract based on that. And they would actually need to provide German Shepherds that meet all of those criteria to us at that time. If they don't provide it, then they're in breach of contract and we can terminate the contract and ask them to pay uh, for damages where we have to issue a new contract cost associated with that. Um, or they can just provide the dog that they said they would provide um, and fulfill the contract and and proceed on. Okay, quick follow-up question. If they did provide the information about how the Malinois is equivalent and whatnot, and they marked off that they could provide German Shepherds, would the evaluator go back to this bidder, assuming that, you know, there's a, there's some space for clarifying questions um, from the evaluation side and just go, hey, I saw that you said you're compliant this way, but within the bid, you keep mentioning this Belgian dog. Um, what is actually happening here? And then the score, I would assume, would, would then, if Belgian Melanoise was not accepted, this bidder would actually get thrown out of the process. Is that an accurate statement? So it's, yeah, we can go and seek some clarification, but we can't seek clarification that gives one company an advantage over another company. So we can simply go back to company A and ask, can you confirm that you are providing German Shepherd dogs for your proposal? And if they say yes, then we proceed with the evaluation and we ignore the section where they've talked about the Malinois dog. Right. And we just proceed that they're providing German Shepherd. Okay. If we go back and we say, can you confirm you're providing German Shepherd? And they say, no, in my proposal, I said that this breed was superior. and This is what I'm going to provide. Then we would say either your bid is non-compliant or you need to provide us with a German Shepherd. Okay. Thank you. And then so just think- to follow, oh. sorry, just to follow up on that, if the company A had actually during the question period asked the question, then they would have been able to use the substitute Belgian Malinois dog. So that was one of the critical key pieces that I'm taking away as well. So you had an opportunity, perhaps, but waiting to the end is where you might have gotten disqualified. Yeah. So always use the question period as a clarification opportunity but you can also use it as a marketing opportunity because essentially what company a is doing is they're marketing 
their breed of dogs that they feel are superior and and using that to let us know it's best to let us know while we can change things in the solicitation document as opposed to once it's closed where we can't change anything because maybe we really actually prefer this breed of dog that you're saying we just have always bought German Shepherds and so we decided we would buy German Shepherds again and if you propose it during the question period it allows us to change it or maybe we already have 15 German Shepherds that are working for our department and we actually only want German Shepherds because they get along best and if we introduce a new breed of dog that's not going to work for us so it's always good to just get that that clarification and ask during the question period because that's when things can be changed and we talk to our like our colleagues in procurement all the time and they say like you know they really they want those questions to be asked and they do change their criteria all the time so it's not unusual for, for us to do amendments and change the criteria while it's an open solicitation uh, i was completely blown away by your twist in this uh in this uh, amazing master class because when you know, I'm kind of a rule follower for the most part. And so when they said mandatory, it's German Shepherd, I would never have even put a bid in if I was, you know, proposing Belgian Malinois dogs. I would have just said, I'm out. But what you're saying is, again, mind-blowing. Maybe you're saying we can propose what we think could actually be more effective or a better fit and see based on, you know, needs or requirements or maybe they're not even aware you know, our still might be the right fit. So we don't, when we look at these RFPs, we, we can actually still take a moment to ask the questions. Yeah, just do it, do it at the right time so that your question actually can go somewhere and we have the ability to change things. And then Nina, I think you had a question. Well, I had one follow-up on that too. So once you made that decision to accept that dog, then the RFP is amended to, to open it up to other companies that might possibly have that dog, or it's just the amendment is there and it's there for people to read? It, the amendment is there and it's there for people to read. So everything we post is on the Buy and Sell website. It would be the solicitation would be there for, for dogs, and then it would say Amendment 1, and any questions that we get asked, we would post those questions along with the answer. We would post that, you know, at minimum five days before closing. So you can amend your bid and you can submit what is appropriate based on what questions were asked. So maybe based on that amendment, maybe all the companies now want to provide that breed of dog over German Shepherd because maybe that breed of dog is cheaper or maybe it meets more of the point rated criteria or they have a better history in selling those dogs. So can change the outcome for everyone, which is why we have to do it within a certain time frame so that everyone has the same information. Yeah. And what I'm getting out of that too is like if I'm on the buy and sell website and I'm looking at RFPs, I need to look at any questions and answers because if I have these types of dogs and I look at the original RFP, I'm going to assume I'm not going to meet the minimum criteria, but if I just look a little further, I can see that I actually have, um, I would be able to meet the minimum criteria. So that's, that's good information. Yeah. Before, uh, before you submit your bid, you always want to make sure you've looked at all the amendments 
if you happen to be very prepared and you're submitting your bid, you know, 10 days before closing time or something, and then five days before the closing date, you see that there is an amendment and it changes something in your bid, you can resubmit a revised bid to us. So it goes along with the most current information. Oh, wow. So even if I submit, I have to make sure I've got eyes on because that one amendment, um, if I don't address it, it could make or break my uh, my bid. Every amendment could change anything in the solicitation document. So up until the closing date, you want to be following that opportunity and making sure you're not missing something and you have the opportunity to revise your bid up until closing date to address those amendments if needed. Now, the chances of it drastically changing something, I haven't really seen that happen in the sense, but it's it's more so about if you see an opportunity and then you don't meet a mandatory and you weren't asking a question, but someone else did, it may open up the opportunity for you to bid on it. That makes sense. I had another question for you, Tess. Part of the requirements in the RFP was that um, the dogs had to be 10 to 24 months old in age. And one of the proposals, they were 10 to 12 months. Would that be seen as an advantage? Would you go back to um, the body that is requesting the dogs to get clarification? Is this is this an advantage to having the younger dogs? Is it a disadvantage to having the younger dogs? And even the weight, like you've modified the weight requirements, but um, especially with an animal, I think it's a little bit, it would be good to have um, some more knowledge on that. As long as your dog is within, you know, if it's 10 months for to 24 months, it, because that is under the mandatory technical criteria, it doesn't matter to us. We don't, we, we have no preference over whether the dog's 11 months or 23 months. Okay. If we had that preference, you would see that that criteria would move down into the point rated and we would be able to heavily, we would be able to rate that differently and say, you know, we want a dog that is really between 10 and 15 months, so you're going to get five points for that. But acceptable, where we would give you two points, is if your dog is between 20 and 24 months old. Got it. So that's that how we can use the point rated to, to show what we have a higher preference for. Okay. And things like what they feed the dogs, it's not a requirement. It's not a specification. So that's just additional information someone's providing, but really it doesn't matter because it's not a specification or requirement. Exactly. And you're not going to get any extra points. You're putting more work into the hands of the evaluator because they do have to read all of that. But if it's not a mandatory or a point rated criteria, they have not deemed it to be something that they need to know. And therefore, it, it really doesn't matter what, what you put into the proposal. Right. So just address the requirements. There's no need to add in a bunch of extra information because you're not going to get any extra points for that. No. You're going to get the same thing no matter what. So focus on, focus on the mandatory criteria, meeting them all. And then the next thing is trying to score the highest amount of points 
um, within the point rated criteria, especially for this type of proposal where it's a factor of lowest cost per point. So if if we want to, I think I think now we it's fair to say that we're going to put the amendment aside and pretend there was no amendment there. Um, company A, A plus, uh, would not proceed because they proposed a different dog. So we're not going to continue on with that, their evaluation. But based on what I heard from all the other evaluators, uh, proposal B and C have met the minimum mandatory criteria as well as they've achieved the minimum points for the point rated section. Is that a fair assessment? Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Yes. absolutely. So at this point, we've now come to consensus amongst all of us. If, if we all had different point ratings, we could debate it. But as an evaluation team, we would have had to come up with the same point rating as a team. And we would now proceed on and look at the financial statements to see who we would award the contract to and add up their points compared to their financials. Can I ask a clarification point then? So yeah. it's not just one person looking at each bid. There's like multiple people looking at the same bid so that you get some sort of consensus. Is that what I'm hearing? Yeah, there's, there's always a team of evaluators and typically the team is comprised of the group that has the requirement. So it would be the, the law enforcement group that would put this together, come to Public Services Procurement Canada. Public Services Procurement Canada would put it out, get all the bids. We would remove the Public Services Procurement Canada would remove the financials, send all the technical bids to the evaluation team, which would have, you know, two, three, four people on it. The more technical a bid gets, the more people we may have, and we may even need to at some point bring in a technical expert to confirm details in a proposal. But there is always multiple people on an evaluation team, and everyone needs to come to consensus in terms of the number of points that we would be allocating to a company. So there can be a lot of debate you know, one person may may say that they see it this way and you should give three points. Another person may say you should give five points and they would kind of be highlighting in the bid how they come to that. And then you meet as a team and you go over it. And when you finally agree, you go back to Public Services Procurement Canada. They kind of do a shadow evaluation to make sure everything's good. And then you proceed to the financials and you kind of go through and figure out who has the lowest cost per point. At, at this stage. So okay. right now we're just looking at good boy doggos and DSS, right? Yeah. Okay. So DSS uh, came out with 15, uh, 14 out of 20 points um, and good boy doggos came out with eight out of 20 points. And the minimum points you needed to move on was five out of 20. So they do all qualify. So if someone hadn't got five points, they also would not move on to the financial evaluation. Um, but now, now what we would do is we would take, we would take the two and if we look at good boy doggos, so they have the lowest price 
but does that necessarily mean that they win the contract? No. Did anyone? No, so they who... don't. No, they don't. Yeah. So their price that they quoted was 62500 but based on their point score, they only had eight points. So we actually have to divide 62500 by eight, and their price per point or price score is $7,812.50, which yeah. is which is higher than DSS, and their final score was, or price per point, was $5,357.14. So we would have to recommend DSS because they have the lowest evaluated price per point. Yep, exactly. So... They had a higher score, even though their price was higher, they came out with the lowest cost per point. So as a company, when you're preparing your proposal, you know, this one was fairly obvious. Companies could see how many points they were going to get and they can get a sense of what their cost per point is going to be. And they may, depending on how well they know their industry, have an understanding of how much another company charges her dog and be able to see are they submitting a competitive proposal that is likely to win and then if we take another scenario where we factor in that amendment that does allow for the belgian malinois so company a is now back in the game then i win i win (laughs) yay then company a actually has the lowest cost per point even though i believe they had the highest price. For oh, we the charged a hundred thousand. Yeah, they were the highest. They were the highest, but they also had the most amount of points. And when you factor it in, they have the lowest cost per point. So by asking that, by asking that one question during the question period, Company A went from being non-compliant to being the successful winner of of the contract. Interesting. We're going to go into quick fire um, as we usually do because my brain is still processing all this. I'm like, wow, there's a lot of things. Even this is this is a simplified version. But of course, when you go into a real bid, there's a lot more rules and regulations and legal. And, you know, you need to read through all the requirements and know what you're committing to. Um, so maybe Tess, if you want to pick three of us, we'll just kind of put our hands up if we have something that um, is valuable and then we'll, you will just do this quick fire um, and, uh, and then I'll do some closing remarks. So. Yeah. I, I would really like to know like what you guys each learned or how you felt doing this evaluation um, process, I guess. So let's start with Candace. Well, I was going to say that, uh, that um, the one thing that the one big takeaway I have is that you can't assume. So no interpretation of the things that you have to answer what's asked. And if you think you have something better then ask the question at the right time, because you could be right. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it reminds me of something that my dad uh, told us at a very young age, which helped with negotiation our entire life. You never know until you ask. And so in this case, if company A didn't ask, they'd be disqualified because they asked through this lovely twist 
then they actually not only qualified, they won the bid with the highest um, submission or highest price quoted. So I thought that was amazing. I I think that going through this process was really nice because I had a chance to to learn um, how how simple I have to keep it. And if I'm reading it and if I'm going to be evaluating it, I just want you to answer the question. And 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 like Nina said, sometimes we we got annoyed with the way you spelled a name, but that had no bearing on on qualification. <laughs> But another point was when somebody didn't actually answer the question and made it and gave a slightly ambiguous answer by saying obeys all normal puppy commands, that made it a bit vague. And just right there was an aha moment for me. So keeping it as simple as possible, answer the questions and 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 also be able to ask questions. It was fantastic. Thank you, Tess. Stephanie? Um, so I I really liked um, understanding that the amendments, um, the importance of it, and there's an opportunity to revise. I also feel, though, that you really have to be uh, on top of all of these amendments and read through them. Even if you submitted the bid and you're like, OK, I'm done with that. I'm going to go get my drink now and just like chill with this bottle. Um, the challenge is that uh, there could absolutely be another bid that just swoops in. Um, or another amendment that swoops in and says, like, now there's like all dogs are allowed. Um, and then you miss it because you're hungover and then now <laughs> you're stuck with this. And so I think that that's really important. I will also say, though, it was a little bit discouraging to see that, you know, those that have the most experience, but also those that have done business with can in this bid's case with the government of Canada are prioritized and, and the number not prioritized, but like the point system is geared towards that because it makes me feel as a small business. If I was a, a breeder of dogs wanting to get in, um, I would score super low if I was a newbie. And so just taking that into consideration, um, that was a little bit like, oh, I don't know. You probably need to really understand the weight of these scores um, and how that's and, and I would assume that that's public information. But before you put anything in and, and really understand who your competitors could be as well. And and the thing with that stuff, that's a really good point, because the criteria is number of dogs sold to law enforcement agencies. So someone could interpret that as federal government. Someone could interpret that as municipal. You know, can can it be to the Vancouver Police Department? Um, is Canada Border Services a law enforcement agency? Is a privately owned security firm a law enforcement agency? So right. that would be a really good point to bring up for clarification in mm -hmm. the question period to say what exactly is a law enforcement agency and would this count or be equivalent to that so that you could meet that criteria or you could score higher with the number of dogs you provided. Oh, that's super helpful as well. Love it. Um, Tess, is there anything else that maybe wasn't covered uh, in kind of, was there anything that we didn't kind of get to that you feel would be important for those looking into um, bidding for government projects um, and and su supplying goods to the Canadian government? Anything that you think we may have missed here that you want to highlight? 
I mean, you guys covered, you know, a lot of of the main points, and I think we really we got into a lot of questions. We did this in a very quick manner, like normally the master class takes about two hours for us to go go through it all. And and we have a contracting authority, so you guys really like rocked that one. Went through it very quick. Um, but I the the main points that we want people to take away are understanding the differences, which we did get into a discussion of between mandatory and point rated criteria. So those generally show what is more important to us, right? If we just say between 10 months and 24 months, we don't care whether your dog is 23 months or 11 months. As long as it's between that range, you meet it, you proceed. If we right. did care, it moves to kind of those, those point rated criteria where we can give you extra points for the things that we want to see. So back to your law enforcement question, that is something that we do care more about and we are placing more value on the fact that a company has sold more dogs to a law enforcement agency and that's why we're giving the points associated with that. Question period, I mean, I probably say this all the time and even in the last one we did, I think I, I mentioned it, but I cannot stress enough the importance of the question period and the use of the question period and just that's your time to talk to the contracting authority and propose different solutions, see what can be changed, see what you can alter in a document, see what clarification you need so that you can put your best foot forward. And then I think Rita, you said it, you said it really well, like just answer the question. That's yeah. really what we're looking for. <laughs> right. All right. Yeah, I, what I got out of it was that, like, just don't make it harder on the evaluator. You you won't mm -hmm. necessarily lose points for making it harder for them, but you're not doing yourself any favors either. You're just making things more complicated. And it's I, I liked the format that you said for one of the proposals where they put it in the table and they're like, check, 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 check. Here's my description of how I meet this. Um, my marketing brain was going crazy with the formula because if I know who my competitors are and I know how much experience they have, I can guess their score. I can backwards engineer that to go, I have less experience, but I need to come in at this price point in order to be more effective. Mm -hmm. So, which is huge, right? Like that's, um, and then I know if it's worth my while to do that or not, because if I can't make that price point, then there's no... There's no point in putting in that proposal, perhaps. And maybe I, I got to wait a little bit longer. I don't think that was your marketing brain. I think that was your finance brain that you stole yeah. from the finance <laughs> team. So I'm actually really proud of you with that statement. It's awesome. You know, marketing does look at dollars a lot. <laughs> that was cost, spent it. cost accounting 101. <laughs> there you go. Well, you know, I think, I think the other takeaway that I um, have is just the... I wonder now if the way that I've been writing grants all these years are wrong. Because we usually, <laughs> man, Tess, you're like blowing my business out. I, I don't know now because I have been seeing, you know, requirements on the grant side be more uh, words, word kind of count specific. And everybody wants it more concise. But of course, my background is in marketing. And so you want to write as much as you can to kind of like sell yourself a little bit. But it is, you know, I think it's very true. There's limited amount of time. They just need to see what you want to answer. 
girl, that means that instead of spending 14 hours on a grant application, we'll do three and uh, still make the same amount of money, which is awesome. So cost accounting 201. But I think it's a win-win win for make both. More money. You're That's actually right. making more. Your, right. your cost went down, like, so we're making more. <laughs> yes, we are. Yes, yeah. we are there. Okay, yeah, if well. If your time goes down for how long it takes you to prepare a proposal, and then the evaluator's time is less because you've made it so simple, Yeah. you have happy people all around, and it's, uh, it's a good change, thing. We need to change our model and go into consulting for um you know bids for the government and just do these like four word answers and check boxes. <laughs> oh, oh I think the table format is fantastic where we just put the we just write check marks. That's it. Yeah. Your marketing brain is gonna get so mad, you know, it's just like that's it. No, I done. like Tessa's copy and paste. I love that. I like and copy not, and paste. Not excellent. every proposal yeah. is gonna have like a, a nice table like that says mandatory right. criteria one compliant, yes, no. But you can make a table because all the mandatory criteria are given to you, either it'll say mandatory criteria one, two, three, or it will say bidder must do this, bidder must do that. Do control F, search the entire document for the word must, pull out every criteria that has a must in front of it, make your own table, say I'm compliant, and say this is how I'm compliant, submit. Oh. Wow, what That's the heck? Control F. We've got to do <laughs> template stuff. <laughs> All right, Rita's like, we got to start a new business. Okay, before we get into Rita starting a new business, I just wanted to thank Tess so much for your time. You and I had connected on my other business as well, on products, and your guidance was super helpful. But this exercise, I recommend it for anyone listening Osme is thinking outside of the box to help small businesses in Canada be able to get in and support what the Canadian government is is procuring, um, whether you're a goods company or a service company, um, absolutely leverage this free service through Osme. Um, and I want to thank you so much, Tess, for doing this. This is amazing. Thank yeah, you, thank you guys for being a great evaluation team and, <laughs> and working through and helping me buy some dogs tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I will, I'll just say that this is something like all across the country, we're happy to deliver this for either a company or any group of people that gets together and wants to do this masterclass. It's not something we typically schedule and have on our events calendar, um, but happy to do it on an as requested basis as often as, as companies need so that you see that flip side and you walk through the exercise yourself. That's I love amazing. it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and that's that's a close. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode where the Serenity Sisters explored the ins and outs of bidding for government contracts. While there are many resources available from OSME, this exercise really gave us a different perspective of what to have in place and how to prepare for government bids. Maybe you know someone who is looking into supplying products or services to the Canadian government. If so, make sure you share this episode with them as it could give an entrepreneur some serenity now. We hope you enjoyed this episode and picked up some good tips and best practices that would benefit your entrepreneurial journey. Remember, none of the content in this podcast should be relied upon as standard legal or business advice. Always consult a professional for your specific business. You may know someone who could benefit from this podcast. Please share it with your business community and perhaps it can give an entrepreneur you know some serenity now.